0: This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Pecha Kucha, wherein creatives, writers, graphic designers, and general folks tell interesting stories across 20 slides for 20 seconds each. Come and watch The Mayhem. Your hosts, Samantha Biko, Justin Curry, and Gregory Kamichak as we appear this February 20th. Doors open at 7.30, starting at eight o'clock. Attention, citizens! It's time for Super Pope Science.
1: Something I've kind of noticed recently is, like, aside from from Comic Cons, which are kind of like my main hustle, there is a slew of freelance that I could take on if I so decided or wanted to. Like I have a cushion of jobs that I know I could get but I'm not taking.
0: Well our intro conversation about what we're going to talk about turned into the podcast.
1: So I think yeah that's just a change that I've been more aware of lately is that we're on a lot of lists for you know to get things done by people. We're we're on radars. Without soliciting anything? Without soliciting. Without proper websites. (laughs) Which has
2: been an issue for a while for you guys.
1: We're working on it, but we do not have proper websites. we have a good one. I
2: have a half-decent website
0: uh, that is under construction. Like Even if if we were to publish all the stuff that uh, Great Sam has put together, just as it is now, it's already ten times the website it was that I've ever had. But from, I think, her perspective, it's like, only half of what a website should be so okay. just
1: and like that. a tenth of what Fable creatives website is. oh my gosh yeah, those guys cool. are the gold standard yeah
0: they're a gold
2: standard so let's talk a little bit about marketing yourselves as artists um you've now gotten to the point where you've done enough work that you don't really need to do that mm. as far as like as far as i'm not talking about cons i'm talking about other other work freelance and you made it sound like you disagree with that statement mm. yeah that's my disagreement sound it's um Sounds a little bit like a computer
1: booting up. Um, Maybe because it's it's a lot of short-term jobs, but what you really want is two or three huge clients that return over and over again. Like Marvel. Like Marvel. Yes. <laughs>
2: well,
0: okay, but... So, I'm of a number of minds about this particular thing. More you know, than I'm two minds. Conflict, more than two. It's not just two. It's a number of minds. Because... Uh, yeah, it would be great to have a big long-term client, but then you're working for someone else. Mm-hmm. It's basically just having a job. You're just having yeah. a job. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we have a job. Our job is to do lots of different jobs all at the same time. And so you trade the one for the other. Okay, so this is what I have to say about this whole notion that uh, because I come out of the regular job world. Right where like I went to school, I got a career related to what I went to school for in education. I was a teacher, and for American listeners, it's a lot. Canadian teachers have it a lot better than American teachers. Um, is that right? I didn't know that by a long okay. shot. Yeah, we're paid fairly, and our union is uh, well supported. And uh, so it's a different. It's a. It's it's a great job. Like you really, there's nothing to complain about if you can get a. a People will complain about anything, for sure, but it's from my perspective. But, so you have this security, right? You have, I've been in the world of job security, and as I've moved into the world of um, sort of a purely creative, trying to live a more creative lifestyle, if you will, um, I've realized that a lot of people in the administration of the arts have taken on the role of that exact thing. They'd rather be the administrators because being an administrator gives them that stability again. So like your producers uh, in film and television, they want to remain producers. So they don't want too many people to come in and shake up their status quo. They don't want too many people to come in and tell them um, that the way it is is not gonna work because then that security disappears for them, right? The same is true. of publishers of editors right the people who are the tastemakers the gatekeepers and essentially the administrators now to the arts don't want their regular job to disappear and so I mean we've seen it from an art directing standpoint right where you get you're you're given directive that is just present so that a directive can be given it actually did not provide any useful content it didn't provide you any feedback whatsoever it's just somebody saying like i'm the boss so please do what the boss says and then you end up having to redo it because it wasn't right in the first place yeah yeah, they're just following chain of command so yeah this is a bit of a rant but when we're talking about like what you're after i think is what i'm saying right like you don't just want to have like a big client that pays all your bills unless it's work that you find fulfilling. Um, you know, Sam has a, has a new client, we'll leave that on another podcast, it's her story to tell, but what's great is the fit, right? Okay. It's like, it's a wonderful fit where she's working with some people and uh, when a project was like presented, it's like, could be one of these five things. She was like, I hope it's this one, I hope it's this one, I hope it's this one. They're like, oh, it's that one, <laughs> right? And so yes. it's just it's just, it's this great fit. And so those things are gonna help everybody right it's okay. going to help the client and it's going to help the creative because everyone wants to do it and they're going to communicate well about it and there's going to be some connection right when the it's like winning the lottery that's yeah that yeah. is like so mm-hmm. those are great clients to have but they're rare mm-hmm. um and the other side of it is you know if you're not going to i mean it's trite i suppose but if you're not going to build your own dream you're going to help someone else build theirs right so you have to ask yourself if all of the All of the people who are pitching us client-related work, right, who are saying, hey, come and do this, they see what we're doing, and they want some of that for what they're doing, right? And if you take your hand off the wheel to steer their ship for a while, right, what happens to yours? And this is just a, this isn't a,
2: I don't have an answer. No, it's, you're it's just, just you're just talking. Just, yeah, this is just the state of things. Right? <laughs> that's what that's what the podcast is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and but you guys have a mix like your mix from day to day. You have your fingers in a bunch of pies to use that uh, cliche. I don't know where that comes from. Um, a and colloquialism. It, yeah, there we go. And uh, so right now, for example, you are working on Dragon Nanny, which is yeah. your next book. Yeah. Right. Uh, so there's that, but that is not something that will. You're not really getting paid to do that right now because you get paid when you sell the book, right? Correct. Yeah. So that is that is one thing. Um, you are doing other stuff that is freelance stuff, and then and and you're also spending time creating new pieces for shows. Right. That's kind of the main thing that you do. Yeah. Right. So the, and again, but this is like all
0: and overseeing the production of a statue you're working on. Oh yeah. On and, yeah. Uh, Um, young adult book set in the world of Cassian Tonk super exciting (laughs) animation uh, how's that going Uh, it's all coming together like really well but it's there are all these things that take your time and energy that's right and all of them are future us may be really happy that past us put all this time in but future us may also look back and be like guys, it was obvious you shouldn't have done that. Like, what a waste of time. You're like, you have no business doing this, right?
2: And you don't know which one is the one. Yeah, that's that's part of the risk of doing this for a living. Yeah, Doing mean, what you sure. guys do. There is no uh, stability. I mean, you have a stable career. There's no doubt about that. You will be working as as artists for a long time but for some people there is that stability takes a while to get there like i imagine for you guys it did take a while to get to the point of stability like this is there even
0: stability like it's not a sure thing there's a lot of factors that could change but
2: you you just said you have a nice bed of jobs if you need to take them. yeah
1: like if tomorrow i decided i don't want to work for myself and i only i want to become a freelance artist full time i feel like i could line up a couple months of work fairly easily i don't yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, I it'd be a lot of work I probably don't, I wouldn't necessarily enjoy. Um, but it's nice to have that, and it, that was something that, yeah, especially starting out, you strive to achieve, right? You were you were grasping for those connections and those jobs. What we need here, Williams, is a show with Zazz, an entertainer with Moxie. We've got to take the audience for the ears and give them a gag. Jar them, rock em. give them the old push, push, push. So, full disclosure, yeah. if
0: I wanted to... You know, burn this whole place down and go back to teaching. Don't you uh, dare. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, well within my grasp because right. I, I love still have teaching. Your, you still have your degree. You I still have, have my get, degree. Get I still have, um, you know, I have a, uh, a pretty good reputation in my field. I'm working on an educational book right now. Like, I, there are ways in which I could well, and back go to, back into the classroom without any. Would you go
1: back to the exact same kind of teaching or would you want to do something like publishing, like teaching publishing? Whereas, like, you know, I, that's something I think about, like, long-term. Like, maybe I want to mean, go like combine and both skill sets... Yeah. ...to talk about the journey. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: we kind of do that already for our workshops and things we in do. a small way. And if there was a, um, you know... I mean, there, like, I've thought about this a few times. Red River does lots of different programs in lots of different ways that are more specific to actual jobs. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: Trade school. In, in fact, it's in like fact. trade
0: st- stuff. So um, you know, it's occurred to me a few times when I like have that like, oh man, I miss the there's there's a power that comes from having a classroom, uh, and not like in a megalomaniac way. I mean like in like
2: <laughs>
0: I mean like you got thirty people who trust you, and you're there to help them, and there is a there's a you're just giving of yourself in a way that. It's constantly eroding this idea of ego. It actually disappears because there's always someone in a classroom setting that'll tell you what they really think of. Right. Right? Yeah. So that part's great. And whenever I'm missing that, I think, oh well, maybe I could do a, a night class at Red River, or I could teach a sessional at the university. Like there are ways that I could feel that fulfillment.
2: Because yeah. I have missed oh, yeah. it right. Yeah. We uh Red River College has the uh, continued, uh, continuing education program, which are night and part-time courses that you can take in a variety of fields. You could do that, absolutely. They'd be, they would be happy to have you there to uh, to teach something. And that kind of thing can also, if you want to take that choice down the road, like Justin, I'm sure you could come back and be an instructor in the graphic design program because mm-hmm. you're a grad and you have experience and, You've done this for a long time, so that's oftentimes it will bring back grads of programs too, to teach. I'm a grad of the program I teach in, but you do kind of have to grind it out for part-time for a while. Right. You know what I mean? So that's something you could do in conjunction with this. Yeah. My fear, as always, like even when I was teaching,
0: you know, and I taught for just about 10 years, that you become part of the clergy of mediocrity, right? Mm. Like you're not really doing anything. You're just telling people about how it probably is going to be but the world has already changed by the time you get your job as a teacher. So the advice you're giving is actually valueless if it's specific, if it's too specific, right? right? Yep. You can only give, you, you're trying to build better people Right, having them uh, challenge their assumptions and you know think creatively and and look at systems and say like how is this system broken and is there a way that you can leverage what you're good at to fix it? Right, those are things that are going to have lasting value in their whole lives, no matter what. Yeah. Um, if you teach them how to use this specific computer program to do this specific job, by the time they get into the job market, it's it's, it's done, it's, it's gone, it's gone, yeah. gone, and that's what I mean. Like that mediocrity is just is all that you're proposing to them, and I just um, I had a great meeting with uh, Brent Schmidt, he's a teacher collaborator of mine when I uh, was in the classroom, and we're working on an uh, education uh, resource right now that connects to a graphic novel I'm working on, Good Boys, and we're just talking, like rehashing all the classroom stuff, and there's this like, great thing going on in education right now where all these f- new educators are coming in with a mindset of we don't know the future. And I think that we're gonna see a huge change in what comes, like a generation from now, the kids that came to the classroom where the teacher's like, yeah, I don't know what's coming. Let's figure out what would make you a good person, a resilient person, a thoughtful person, a person that can handle lots of multiple stresses. That's gonna be a very different world
1: when those kids end up, you know, Instead of feeding them that line, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket the rest of your That's life. That's right, yeah. Or so you got to learn.
0: Or you're worthless <laughs> if you don't go to university, right? Like, like I oh took yeah, a I, I took that. I took a certificate program at Red River, and I have a university degree. And one of them felt rigorous, <laughs> and one of them felt a little bit
1: like a money grab. A little bit, a little, yeah, bit. little bit. I wonder which right? one. Was I did, <laughs> like. And I'll let you
0: know. You can flip a coin. It's a 50-50 chance <laughs> as to which I might be referring to. Um, I made the best of both situations whenever I could. But. And I think that's the key thing. You
1: kinda get out of it what you put in, right? Well, sure. but then why have a system at all? Well <laughs> you have to, guide, to guide people, otherwise <laughs> right. yeah. it's chaos. Yeah. Well, right? It's but I think ca- like when I started Well we're I in did, chaos now, aren't we? I wasn't I didn't have the discipline or the um, I just didn't know how to I didn't have that work ethic when I started. That's right. That was something that first and second year graph design really instilled at me, I I often think of like, oh my God, if I go back to high school with the work ethic that college taught me, I would have been a much, much better student.
0: So we should do it in reverse? Wait till people are older and then send them to Uh, What are
2: they gonna Mm -hmm. do for those? They're gonna work at Burger King for 20 years? There is nothing wrong with working at Burger King. I worked at, well, I worked at at Taco Bell. Yeah, I, I enjoyed just it. Challenge your assumptions. Exactly. Like if
0: someone has a job and they're working hard at it, right? They Nothing. should be proud of their ability to get up and go. Andy to that
2: Warhol job. loves Burger King. Did you know that? Oh Did God! Don't get me
1: started
2: on that. <laughs> okay, I I saw it's funny because I saw these tweets. This is getting back to the uh, the um, f- um, freelance versus uh, uh, job day job thing. And this is actually a series of tweets from Hope Nicholson, who's another comics uh, um, and creator, a future guest of the show. We were the just talked to sure. her yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So she started talking today about, um, or yeah, it was earlier today, Uh, I'll just read it out. So a comics creator I was once on a panel with had quit his job at 23 to do comics full-time, and after a year was clear, he couldn't survive, and he went back to work in part-time comics work. At 35, he he had the opportunity to work full-time on comics again. So this person, I don't know know who it is, you guys might know, um, tried, seemingly failed. Mm -hmm. They had to kind of go get a full-time job again and then kept making comics, but not as a full-time job, and then came back to it at 35, so 12 years later. Then Hope talks about her personal experience. She went full-time freelance for two years. It was very difficult. She said she was constantly on edge. Lucky to eventually find a day job that was a perfect fit. So she's back at a day job doing comics part-time, but she's able to continue the work, and that's helped her. And it feels like making more books than ever. Yeah, also. no kidding. Yeah, yeah, she's doing great work. Yeah. So there is. A, so it's not like a, a badge of shame or anything like that to have to work while you're doing this. It is a necessity. You know what I mean? And some people can do both. It's actually it's something
0: fine. to be proud of. I think. Like yeah. if
2: you can, if you have a side
0: hustle that fires you up, and you have a regular job that solves your problems,
2: and you find a way to make that work without resentment, man. Yeah. be proud of yourself i think i've got that going with FanQuest. I I've, right. I've got you know my full-time job at the college and FanQuest is a, is a part i'm certainly not making any money doing FanQuest right now but yeah it, it i love doing it i love doing it and the people i work with love doing it and mm-hmm. so that's what we and eventually hopefully we will make some money and and be able to put, turn that into a job but yeah it's awesome i love it well there's
0: this um there's a weird paradox and we talked about this in our last workshop right that if you wouldn't do it for free you'll never be able to make money at it. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good line. Who's, right. Who said that?
0: I said it, but uh, <laughs> uh, I G- said it out G- loud as a way of just kind of like trying to encapsulate like a big rant that we had okay. here at the thing. And then once I said it, I was like, I don't know, if, I didn't know for sure if I believed it. Like, it, you know, it's sometimes it, one of the things that's fun about having the podcast, you listen to the, the nonsense that you say as advice <laughs> and then you're like, do I really believe that or don't I? But in this case, it was something that in sort of summing up a big conversation that we had had uh, among seven people about like what it's for and how do you keep going when there's no reason like no seeming reason to it just struck me that yeah if you wouldn't if you wouldn't do it for free you're not going to be able to make money out and
1: it. especially we were talking this was a workshop on specifically publishing books yeah and to get into book publishing to get hired to make a book, Usually, you have to have a book or two under your belt. Yeah. Nobody's going to come out of the blue. Oh, you've never made a book. I'm going to pay you to make a book, right? That so you have to you have to have self published something. You have to have yeah. made your own book or at least enough pages that people believe you can make a book. Yeah. Right. You have to do it for free. You have to build up that portfolio. Yeah. Or for comic yeah. makers
0: out there who are just like they don't ha- they can't leverage 120 pages to finish a graphic novel uh 15 20 pages in an anthology is more than enough but you you might like in order to prove to someone that you can do it right to present to them cogent work Um, but even getting that will require you to have drawn 500 pages of crappy illustrations in order to get to the point where you're finally able to refine your story nobody
1: likes their first book Oh, God. Yeah, very few people are proud of their first book. Yeah, you but keep it has bringing up, well,
0: I'll be showing early work, like, <laughs> as examples in our workshops or as examples to other people, and then I put them away with some shame, and Justin's like, this isn't that bad, but I can, I can only see what I'm capable of now, and it's just, right? And that's the hubris, I think, that's the hubris of our own ego, saying, like, oh, I'm so much better now, but hopefully 10 years from now, I'll look back at stuff I did. This year, and be like, oh gosh, what was I thinking?
2: We'll see how the podcast sounds in ten years. Oh, you guys will go back and go, what were we thinking? Do it'll this? just be telepathic. People will just be <laughs> right. Their brain
0: nodes will be tuned into us, and we'll yes, all just right. think together. Just
2: dial, turn a dial in your mind to. It's like a tele, telepathy radio. Yeah, imagine Ooh. like
1: FanQuest Year One compared to FanQuest yeah, Year no, Ten. It's, right, it's, like gonna, like it's be, gonna be. I know
2: it's gonna be incredible. Entirely different beast. That was what part of our original, um, our original kind of. I was just going through the wording the other day because I realized we hadn't updated it and still said it still referred to FanQuest 2017 which was our first year and uh, it talked about how we want people in five years to be talking about how much fun they had and we had kind of a five-year plan for the for the thing so that's kind of where we're now going to year three of that and by the way today was the two-year anniversary of us hitting our Kickstarter goal for the first FanQuest that's kind of a nice anniversary we should share that on social media. Um, but yeah, it it is like, it is not the, the current state. It's where you're going to end up. You have that goal in mind and you have to try and reach that goal. Chasing. Did you realize that when you made that name, was that something you you absolutely knew? Like, that's what I'm doing.
1: The, yeah. It just kind of a
2: cool sounding name.
1: No, it was the internal conversation of, oh my God, this thing that I did a year ago sucks. I'm so much better now. Okay. And that kept happening. It was that, that whole Yeah. The more you practice you put in, the better you get and so you're, so always, you're always chasing, chasing yeah. the best piece is always the next yeah. one so poor ahab goes mad chasing that whale <laughs> yeah. right and that's why yeah my but logo if, is a whale but if well. he had caught that whale
2: he would have been what would he have done the next day yeah hmm. right i don't know he's miserable. Yeah. yeah each according terrible. to their gifts right.
1: right i would prefer a job any job any job at all where i could be myself
0: a good friend of mine uh lost her husband recently oh, and it's uh you know a young guy had the stable job, had the great career, you know, good dad, like the whole thing. And then, like, just like in a snap, over, gone. So, sure, you can, you have to decide what it is that you're going to do with, you know, uh, there's like a million movie trailers that basically some of the same thing. You got to decide what you're going to do with the time you've got, right? And if you hate the thing you're doing, make some small change. You don't have to like do a huge pivot, like, when I went into education, I knew I would wanted to be a teacher because I had worked in group homes for a good long while, and I just really liked that gratification of, like, picking someone up and helping them along, right? And sometimes you screw it up, and sometimes you get it right. But I thought maybe there's a better way to do it with more structure. The group home system in uh, Manitoba is fraught with inconsistency. It is, yeah. And uh, But the whole time, you know, if I was working night shifts there, I'd be writing, I'd be drawing, I'd be doing other stuff. And I always told myself, I'm also going to do this somehow. And everyone would ask me to choose one. And I rejected the idea that you had to choose one thing, right? When you declare, you know, where your income comes from on your taxes, you declare that one source or those multiple sources of income or whatever it is. But in your life, everyone is trying to get you to define yourself as one specific specialized Mm. thing. And I told myself, no, I just want to have the 24 hours in the day, have some helping people, some being helped by people, some writing, some drawing, and that is the shape of the life that I want to have. How am I going to make that work? I had no idea, but I just kept trying to add skills to the toolbox to get each one of those areas of my life further along.
2: Doing your taxes must be a nightmare. It's, yeah it's, yeah, it's currently ongoing right now. Yeah. yeah. I find comfort, like for me, I, that was one of the things I was terrified of. Because um, there's a lot of talk in our program about freelance and getting work as a freelancer. And I never consider. I was like, no, I need, I have a family, I need to provide, I need to be, I need a stable income. So the idea of going freelance, although I'm confident I could do something with it yeah. uh, as a writer or as anything, social media marketer or anything like that. I was just eh, I don't want to don't want to risk it don't want to you know what if what about what if I have a lean year what if I can't uh, provide or something right. like that. Um, similarly, in the world of advertising, a good chunk of advertising sales are done through commission. They they sell things on a commission basis, and again, I never wanted to work in that field, although I think I could do it well because right. I really love advertising. I just don't like the idea of like depending on a sale to get paid. Right. You know, I I, I have kind of issues with. Commission sales is a general rule. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway. Because it changes the motivation. Yeah. Right? No, you're not. You're not. It compromises the product. That to me, it does yeah. that. So you're not doing it for the right reasons. But then I, you know, how old are your kids? Uh, twelve to eight. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. It's. I feel like. But at the time, they were just young. There was. It was very much. Like one wasn't even born yet, yeah, so, so and I
0: completely understand that perspective because when I took my full- time job uh, as an educator it was also uh, coincidentally the same year that my first son was born
2: right, right. Like, you, want, you it, it's like you can you have no room for error when the, you, you have a baby yeah. in the house, right? you have to have but a stable it, income,
0: yet there is a lot of room for error. Well,
2: yes. That's no, right. but I'm being serious, yeah. right? Like,
0: there are plenty of people. Like, we uh, we have to check our privilege at the, at the mic stand here, right? right? We've got it pretty good, right? Like, even though we're saying, like, yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah, it's hard to balance it or whatever. In the vast spectrum of the people who live simply in our city alone, right? We don't have half the problems that most people have. True. And their kids turn out great. I taught them. Right? Yeah. Their t- their kids are not stressing about the fact that their, you know, parents are between work and their whatever. They're carrying that for sure, but they're also growing as a result of it in a way that maybe all that safety that we're trying to provide, you know. Yeah. How- that's a good point. Where does evolution come from, I wonder.
1: Yeah.
0: But then there's the other flip, which is like it's purely selfish where you just say to yourself, like, well, this is the person that I am and this is who I sh- and I have to take the risk or whatever. And I think back to my own parents, I know that when my dad was the age I am now, he left a very stable career to take an unpaid internship, right? And he and uh, my mom sat down and he was like, okay, so I kind of want to do this. And she was like, well, then you should probably do it. He's like, well, we might have to, if it doesn't work, we might have to sell the house. We might have to sell all belongings and live in an apartment. How do you feel about that? And she said, would you be happy doing your job, right? And she, my mom had been through lots of stuff in her life up until that point, you know, she had been in another marriage, she had seen what happens when someone isn't content with the world that they have. So from, you know, she was balancing her experience and saying, well, if you're gonna be happy, then we'll be happy. So then who cares if we have a house or an apartment or a postage stamp or whatever. And both of them, both my parents grew up, my dad grew up in a house that literally had a dirt floor Right. And my mom was the uh, uh, daughter of people who were like like a fisherman. Her dad was a fisherman and her mom worked part time at the post office for a while before they took over the post office in Gimli. But, uh, you know, so they'd been where we would all be terrified to be is where they'd already been. Okay. Right. And so I think often about that when I'm like, oh, man, do I dare risk this? Do I dare? And it's like, you know, even if I fell to the level where they started I'm still better off than the vast majority of people, you know, really on the planet. So it's hard for me to not want to take that risk. But then the flip side is, are you just being selfish? Should you just do the quote unquote, responsible thing and put in your hours and Hmm. collect your check? And I don't know what the answer is again. Well,
2: again, it's, it's not a decision you have to make by yourself. If you have a significant other, you would speak to them about that. I'm sure you guys had a conversation before you went back full time into comics.
0: Uh yeah, right. we for sure did. Yeah.
2: We for sure did.
0: And it's an ongoing conversation because the landscape changes, yes. you know, every couple of months for where we're at and what's happening. But deep down, I had already decided. <laughs> right? <laughs> what if she had said no? Yeah, well, this is what I'm this is what I guess I, you know, now we're in that real honest space in that podcast right yeah. now. I think I knew. What my decision is before i entered into the decision with my loved ones as a conversation okay right or i wouldn't have had the, i wouldn't have been brave enough to have the conversation if i didn't already know what i wanted to do right and maybe all i was going for was permission right. rather than including, like collaboration i see i see right if i'm being like we're getting deep into this yeah, now but wow. if i'm thinking about it maybe that's it and maybe the people who are willing to take that leap The hard part for them is recognizing that it is selfish and they already decided and they're willing to put all that other stuff at risk. And that sounds like we're programmed that that is the most selfish thing you can do.
1: My miserable, tragic error to get married to a man whose big dream in life is to be huckleberry thin. The alternative, yeah, is, is forcing something that's potentially not working, not making you happy. Long-term, what kind of person are you going to end up being?
0: Yeah, and I wonder, right? Like, I have a buddy, a very free spirit, and he uh, he just bought a house. And he's like, everyone around him is like, oh, they're so proud of him because he has this, like, stable job and a new daughter and they're just buying a house and whatever. And I went to visit him, and we're chatting, and he's like, you know, how when did it become the responsible thing to owe a bank hundreds of thousands of dollars? When did that become the responsible choice? He's like, we were living within our means – with no debt, and now that we've bought this house, I owe someone else this enormous amount of money,
2: and I'm being heralded as the responsible father for making these. Were they renting before? They were renting before. Yeah, I I don't know, that's a cultural thing. People seem to attribute uh, buying a house with with moving up and a leveling up, so to speak, as far as your because they're life. all in
1: debt, they want you to be in debt too, and now we're all in debt together. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: like the emperor's new clothes, <laughs> right? right? As long as everyone is there together, believing yep. it, then it doesn't
2: feel like the wrong path. But and you never actually see that money. <laughs> like you know, you buy the house, all the paperwork goes through. You're like, okay, now you owe us this much money per month, yeah. and that basically just make those payments. And it feels like rent. It feels just like paying rent. Yeah, it's rent. So well, really, you're an indentured labor to a different right. Yeah. You know, so I think that there's a kind of a, yeah, I don't know. I, to me, there's no difference like paying, paying rent or the only difference is that you would get some of that, you get some of that money back when you sell the house, basically. Right. It, it is kind of an investment. And
0: only, and in most cities, only if you sell the house and move to a smaller urban center. That's right. Because yeah. the house prices that seem like a good deal to you, that's what you have to buy now somewhere else. Right. Right. Yeah. to make money So if it out. goes up 50%, it went up everywhere, even the thing you wanted now.
2: Yeah. Right. Um, Wow, we we rounded the this, this corner. Is, you know what I noticed is that when I come on the podcast, we bounce around for some reason more so than when you guys do the episodes. You know why? Yourself. Because
0: I think we have an idea of what... We're going to talk about it and we're going to present ourselves in this certain way.
2: And you come in and you just ask questions like a good radio yeah. host would ask a question that right. demands an honest answer. Yeah, but also I have a, a different mindset, I guess, as far as these things. Yeah, I don't I always think, think about it from no, I think We it's hang good, out too healthy. much,
1: so we b- kind of know where each other's going. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we're more
2: an
0: average. <laughs> <laughs> we're more an average of each other now, whereas you come in as the outlier you and you're like, same hey,
2: why the hell do you do this? Well, I hope not. Oh, <laughs> no. Okay, again. so let's boil this down to. Uh, again, starting the podcast as as a way to help people get their start in this industry. So you are talking to somebody who is who is at that point where they're trying to make this decision as far as whether or not they can go. We've talked and we've talked to Corey J. We've talked to other people about I'm just this. Going to bring well. up Corey Jay Like she's is, a good example. Yeah. She talked about how you have to save up and make sure you have money set aside, which is obviously a good decision. But you're still like struggling with this decision. Do I do this? Do I have enough here to make? A goal of this is a full-time and so, uh, so one of the telling conversations that Tara and I
0: had when we were like saying okay well I'm gonna do this and you're gonna do this because she's also doing yeah. creative stuff as her main source of income too so it was like did we were we financially independent before this decision the answer is no right there were still times when surprises would happen and you know you would you know you're whatever your hot water tank blows up or your car explodes or whatever happens Mm -hmm. and then suddenly it's outside of your regular budget right Mm -hmm. that that is going to happen no matter what and so are you just lying to yourself is it that Emperor's New Clothes scenario that you have that it's stable right yeah, probably not. It's not mm-hmm. stable, right? Your health is not necessarily stable and your career is not necessarily stable and the field that you're in is not necessarily stable. Ask anyone in uh, newspaper publishing in the last 20 <laughs> years that had a good stable job, yeah. whether it was true or in uh, the dot-com boom of the early, early 90s, right?
2: Yeah, or early, yeah, early 90s, yeah.
0: Right? Those fields looked like the greatest thing, but they aren't stable, right? Automotive industry right now. Right. What a great stable job that must be. Cable. Right. (laughs) Double down on cable. We might come back to cable. There's some interesting tech talk going around. But um, yeah, um, as our cellular phones slowly poison us, we might go back to hard tech. (laughs) Um, But I guess the idea is like if we're talking about like where to start, ask yourself if your idea of stability is one that is presented to you by others or one that you understand yourself. It's like what you were saying, right? Like we're all in debt, let's be in debt together, Mm. right? If that's all it is, well, you can be in in debt to yourself and go out and work freelance. Um, And if someone is saying, well, you know, I have a responsibility, I have to earn X, then you need to start lining up those jobs a year in advance. Like the thing that I figured out, the first year that I did freelance, there was this long dark tea time of the soul where in the winter months, there was like three months in winter where there's only bills for paying for shows that are coming up. There's only the bills that you have in your regular life. And there is no, like, there is no freelance work to be had that you can get right away. And no
2: shows for what, from which you can make money. And that's right. Yeah.
0: And so it was just this big, it's just this big nebula where everyone needs money out of you. And you don't, you're not getting any in. And so you're just like on the precipice of panic. And, but rather than like give in to that, I said, okay, well, if this is where we're at, I have to work now for next year. And so I started submitting and I lined up projects and like, I'm, you know, I worked this winter on projects that I lined up a year previous, right? Because that's people's publishing schedules. And so you just have to, know where you're at so if you're trying for you're hoping for some practical advice and not just like whimsy about your soul in this episode (laughs) i think
1: that's important too like your your gut reaction of like you had already kind of decided it was you know if it's something that is just always kind of burning inside you and it's what's filling up your free time and your after hours and i think that was a big thing for me was i had a full-time job but i put in hours and hours and hours of work that i wasn't getting paid for or recognized for because that's just what I had to do yeah and eventually the yeah I started getting recognized and jobs and and paid for it but it just there was you know years of work that just kind of just had to happen hmm and yeah it was just it was like a gut thing it was just something I wanted to be doing
0: yeah I and so you have to figure out a way I guess to connect your your impulse for what you want to do to some
1: practical living yeah right? like it's just maybe some people romanticize the idea of being a writer but never write. that's right they yeah just, people yeah, want love- to have written yeah
0: <laughs> yeah they wanted it but yeah and you have to you know it's a slog you have to do it every day um but everything's a slog Yeah, you yeah. have to do everything every day you know <laughs> god eating such a chore right
1: <laughs> now get with it williams get with it boy Not only has your pet project backfired, but it sprouted wings and left the premises.
0: When we come back around again, like practical advice to the person that is wondering, all of the feelings that you're having about whether or not you should, those are normal. Those are fine. You're going to have those no matter what. And even if everything's going great, you're still going to be asking yourself, is this the right project? Is that the right next thing? right should i have chased a bigger dream rather than settled into this more comfortable thing right like there's an argument to be made that after you know i had this little bit of profile as a result of doing the apocrypha book that should the next book i have done been one that's targeted directly at high school classrooms and is not at all genre specific right no there's an argument to be made that no you should have pivoted and done more of this other thing but it was in me to do this next book. That was
2: all I could do. And you can still do that other book later. You yeah, still, I'm doing you, it. I'm doing you're it. You're still the artist of Apocrypha, so you still, you know, that exists. True, but, I mean, and again, if
0: we're talking about practical things, right? Like there is, um, like you doing some, Justin, you doing some design work for a Marvel movie. Right now, that has Huge cachet because everyone knows them and loves them and they're like, you know, they haven't had a fall from grace. But maybe in a few years, people will be like, oh, yeah, everyone worked on those. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, seriously, though. Right. And so, like, after a couple of years when it's not the new thing, it's just the thing that happened. Um, Editors and uh, the administrators, again, we're coming back around to that idea. The administrators of the arts look at it and say, oh, so your last big notable work was three years ago. Okay. Right. Okay. That's, that's not a place you want to be in either. And so you have this, people get into this competitive mentality of like, oh, I have to have a new thing out, but of a certain caliber. And I think that's where we get a lot of burnout. Like uh, when we're at comic shows and we're in the pro alley, a lot of those people are stressed out. Like they're not able to just appreciate the success of the great work they've done. Because they're trying to get the next high-profile Marvel DC image book, hmm. and that to me seems like a great sadness. Like I'm proud of the work they've done, and they don't even have time to sit around and be proud of it. They're already like worrying about whether or not the star is falling on them that they have to,
2: you know. They're they're yesterday's news. They're yeah, already. Oh, interesting. You know,
0: and I mean, in entertainment, you're only as good as your last project. That's true, right? Okay. Um. But that doesn't mean you don't keep working. Like, I've brought this up on the podcast before. Can't think of Elizabeth Gilbert, I think, the the writer of Eat, Pray, Love. Yes. Right? Yes. And when I say her name, you know, too many people clue in, but if I say Eat, Pray, Love, everyone knows it. She's written six books since then. Oh. Right? Has had a very stable career as a mid list novelist. No big hits beyond that Eat, Eat, Pray, Love, and not worrying about it. Like, her next book is the next book she wants to write. And that book was just the next book in the book she wanted to write, and it happened to catch on. And that was great. There's but.
1: probably better examples, but I think that's that's way better than, say, kind of what we're seeing with like the Harry Potter series. rather than moving on from that world and working on other things, they're trying to it feels like they're trying to cash in with that fantastic beast. yeah, and that first movie was okay. and then every I haven't seen the second movie, but everybody's just. You know, it's like they're trying to milk the world of all it's worth rather than moving on and doing something else. I remember the moment
0: (laughs) in the credits. I'm one of those guys who stays till the end of movies and reads all the credits.
2: Before they started doing end end scenes? Oh, yeah, way before that. Like, it was the
0: one thing uh, when Tara and I first, like, 20 years ago when my wife and I first, like, started hanging out, we'd go to movies together, and she'd be like, wait, you're serious? Like, you want to read these? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, like, I want to know how it's made. I want to know how it's done. But anyway, the point of bringing that up is that the first time I noticed in the credits that the copyright information was attributed no longer to J.K. Rowling but to Warner Brothers as the owners of those characters. Mm. Uh I saw the writing on the wall for this
2: idea that it's now it's just a a product slate. Was that mid, like, mid-series like in the films, or was that in the first film? I want to
0: say that I was so uh, woke to the idea that I noticed it between one film and the other, but I don't know if that's true. Okay. I feel like that just might be the story I'm telling myself, but I do know that uh, one of the later films in the franchise, I remember reading that and being like, wait, she no longer owns the copyright on these characters. She sold it. Yeah. It belongs to someone else. She's the shepherd. She's the Stan Lee, right? Like, yeah. she's still the face of it, and still the spirit of it, and... You know, still the place you go, still the source.
2: But she's not writing any new books in that universe that we know of. Well,
0: she did that. Even the Fantastic Cursed,
2: Beast was like a screenplay or something. Yeah. It was never a book. Yeah. And yeah. that other one, um, Cursed Child. Curse of Child, yeah. Yeah. was a play. That was not. But yeah, yeah, it's like,
1: I, I, I really don't like that idea of like you have a success and then you don't move on from it. You try to keep, you try to recreate it yeah. within itself. Um, and we see that it shows a lot, people kind of still cashing in on something huge that happened a long time ago. And I, I really just, I'm, there's a fear of that and I, I don't like it.
0: But is that you becoming, not, not you, like mm. not you, Justin, but you, the collective us and you, is that a person becoming the administrator of their own life? Like they see a thing that provides some stability and they- and then, they're like, well, okay, I have other hopes and dreams, but this thing pays the bills, so I got to do it, right?
2: Isn't that selling out? Isn't that what's known as selling out?
0: Well, I wonder. Like, would you say uh, you're a big Trek fan? Would you say Jonathan Frakes sells out by going to shows all the time no. and like repping Trek? I don't think so. He like, you know, either he's a great actor, which I think he is. He is, and a great. But director he might as also well. be a great actor in presenting himself as a fan of the fans. But I don't think that. I think he's genuine. I think it's a. Uh, it's a genuine love of what he does that puts him in there. So while we may see a franchise that, you know, he was the star of decades ago and say, like, oh, can't that guy let that go? Or you can look at a guy who's put his time in front of the camera aside and now he's behind the camera directing and shepherding other people's careers. And, you know, um, apocryphally, he learned how to direct.
1: By on the show. On the show, yeah. watching yeah. other
0: directors direct and kept asking for a chance. And they're like, well, you know, you never – what do you mean? You're just an actor, right? <laughs> he had to fight against the idea that an actor could take over that role of directing the whole show, right? So I think we have to be careful of our perceptions, but yeah. I definitely get the alarm, yeah, when you see people who are, like, just the same series over and over and over. But then if people are reading it, it's, ugh. If the purpose of a book is to be read – and people are reading it,
1: and you're the author of that
0: book, and they want more.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a black and white conversation. There's just lots of people who have been doing the same thing for decades, and it's still fantastic.
0: Yeah, but then yeah. you become beholden to the fans, right? Like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, right? The, the reason he killed Sherlock Holmes was he was so done with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah.
2: exactly. That's, uh, I can't imagine them killing Harry Potter. Right. <laughs> At this point. No, but
0: they did. They just but, let yeah. him live his whole life.
2: They just told you like, right. Yeah. And he then up, he gets old and dies. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has kids. He names his kid after uh, after Snape and then yeah. uh Spoiler. Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Come on, guys. It's been <laughs> out for decades now. Not decades, but a long but, time. But like
1: it's been kind of, I, I like watching what Daniel Ratcliffe is doing now. He yeah, didn't, he does he didn't stuff just others, fade yeah. away to be known as the guy who played Harry Potter. He has been in a lot of different movies and done a lot of interesting things. And I've quite enjoyed a lot of his films since. Mm-hmm. So
0: then you have to have the fortitude to recognize that you'll be recognized for some things until you stick around long enough to be recognized for other things. Yeah, right.
1: like um, Justin Timberlake. Not just the InSync guy anymore. He kind of... Oh, yeah. I forgot you know, about like him in and, oh. and that's what everybody was saying when he always oh, trying to do his solo thing, but that's never going to work. And then he started acting and doing his own thing. And like, he's this whole new thing now. Did you go see him? Hmm? Did you see Justin I Cabrillo did not. Swing? No. Yeah, I him. Yeah. Like no, he him
2: was
0: as... just... On Sunday, he was here in Winnipeg, rented out a curling club yeah. or something, and watched uh, uh, some sport. Oh, it was the Super Bowl. <laughs> Super <laughs> bowl. <laughs> some yeah. sport. <laughs> <laughs> some sport was occurring in a bowl. <laughs> Yeah, um, is a ramen. Is it ramen occurring? Some kind
2: of ramen sport. That's the Super Bowl to me. Well, we've ranged wildly, <laughs> as always. When as I want.
0: always, a, we were pretty, pretty focused the last couple of episodes. But I think what's important if you're if you listened all the way to the end, and you wondered like, what is this emotional roller coaster? That it's normal to have that, that storm going inside of you, and that even though we made the decision and we're living with our decisions. There are lots of forces at play, so it's okay. But I still think that you should make the things that are in you to make, that you should take the time away from your uh, prescribed life to do some wild things and join the fight in (laughs) comics.